Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Oh, my God. Part two. Man, of all the parts that you can have, a second is easily the best. It's always the best. Jaws 2. That's the the best Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah. The Lost World. Toy Story 3. Yeah. The Lost World. Yeah. Yeah, All the best ones of the series. All the best ones of the series. Halloween 2. Halloween 2. The famous Halloween 2. These are all the best ones. Yeah. Oh, my God. Woodstock 1999. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, always the sequel's always the best. It, super, um, yeah, super is. Dave, I'm Dave. Dave, yeah, Dave. What, hey, 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 how are you doing? I'm good. I got Lunchables. I got Lunchables getting delivered. Oh, that is. This is this is the country we live in, and uh, I'm excited to eat those Lunchables. You're gonna get some this. Lunchables. That, yeah. That's, you're the only person I know who eats Lunchables, Dave. <laughs> but, well, I never got them as a kid, so <laughs> this is how I rebel. Yeah, That's no. fucking adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, obviously, we, we, we ended last episode talking about the Freedom Ship, um, which was the mile-long superboat that was going, everyone was going to live in total liberty, but also under Irish law with the FBI running everything. Right. So how did that work out? Is that a thing? Well, they never built it. Oh, no. <laughs> um, every three or four years from the mid-90s on, the Freedom Ship would, like, creep back into the media when, like, some new backer, because, like, I think the people, the old people would just kind of hand it off to someone new who would try to raise money off it again like it was just this grift that wouldn't quite die they're just um, inheriting the grift That's yeah they're just amazing. kind of like passing it on like do you want to build the freedom ship kid <laughs> by 2007 the project was no closer to starting the const- uh, construction which should have concluded in 2003 a writer for in these times noted 
A visit to the news section of freedomship.com reveals a more sluggish pace. The most recent messages date from more than two years ago, forlornly explaining how scam operations are slowing things down, but that things are happening and they are moving fast. Meanwhile, the ship is not yet finished. Indeed, it has not yet started. Despite this, Freedomship International Incorporated has been startlingly successful in raising publicity for this floating city. Much credulous journalistic cooing over the biggest vessel in history, with its hospitals, bunks, hospitals, banks, sports centers, parks, theaters, and nightclubs, not to mention its airport, has ignored the vessel's stubborn non-existence. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, it is great. And this, this, Dave... The failure of the Freedom Boat brings me to the final but longest portion of our episode, which has to start with the seasteading movement. Have you heard of seasteading? Seasteading. Yeah. Uh, No, I have not. It doesn't sound good, but maybe I'm willing to be wrong. I mean, it's a. I think it's a cool idea. It's the idea that like people could take to the sea and like as the pioneers of old did, build their own homes in the middle of the wilderness and and live off of them but because it's the sea you wouldn't be stealing anybody's shit um Mm -hmm. like it's a neat idea i I would say the fictional analog that's closest to seasteading is the incredible roy scheider vehicle sequest Um, oh yeah oh my god roy scheider just Mm -hmm. incredible oh Um, yeah star of jaws 2 star of jaws 2 exactly um well i would say the star of jaws 2 is alcohol (laughs) yes I mean, and the antagonist of, yeah. like, there's, yeah. you know, you could argue that most of the reason that Jaws was, or that shark was formidable is because they were just so drunk. Because everyone was hammered the entire yeah. time. Yeah, that's fair. So, in Sequest, uh, did you ever actually watch Sequest? I watched I, it. I remember there was a guy with gills. There was, there was, uh, I remember that did they, happen. They shot that it. dolphin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shot it, I know, briefly at Epcot Center. At the, they sure the, did. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would say probably the high point of Sequest, the series, is the episode in which William Shatner plays Slobodan Milosevic. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> the, bo- the part he was born to play. Did he do it's an a accent? really incredible move. Did it include an accent? Because it's, yeah, he does an accent. Like the episode, it's an episode where like they have to, there's this dictator who's like taken to the sea after getting like forced out, having committed a genocide. And the episode was filmed during the Bosnian genocide. So it's very oh. clearly who, who Shatner is supposed to be. Oh goodness. This is perfect. <laughs> it's incredible. So in Sequest, uh, incredible show, this, this big ship travels around all these little like sea habitats people have built around, like the ocean's just been colonized. There's these little towns and villages and independent homesteads in the middle of the wild ocean that's right. the idea the seasteaders have yeah, right? they're doing a sea quest they're yeah. doing a sea quest but without the giant boat right that's that's the people who wanted to do the freedom ship they want to make the little bitty sea communities that eventually just, i think necessitate the giant boat yeah they want floating homes just a little farther yeah. out there just a little further out there yeah. um yeah seasteading got its official start in 2008 when the seasteading institute was founded in san francisco by patrie friedman friedman an anarcho-capitalist and grandson of economist Milton Friedman had been a Google engineer and was thus connected to Peter Thiel. Mm. He'd convinced Thiel to throw them some cash to found an institute. So Peter Thiel throws a bunch of money into the Seasteading Institute and in their founding statement they promise to establish a permanent autonomous ocean community to enable experimentation and innovation with diverse social, political, and legal systems. (sighs) The experimentation, I love that idea because it's like, what experiment is best done on the ocean? Um, only <laughs> yeah. the illegal kind. Can That's we it. fuck the dolphins? Yeah, it's actually yeah. the worst place to do any other 
experiments. Mm-hmm. Like the movie Deep Blue Sea, they should have done Terrible. that in a tank. Yeah. Like the, Why yeah. were you in the ocean? How did you that know? help things? Yeah. It, in fact, it hurt things. Yeah. Like all experiments don't get better if you're in the ocean. It just gets more complicated. Yeah. As a general rule, very few things get better when you're in the ocean. Right. Um, Jurassic Park. The yeah. problem was they were in an island. Mm-hmm. Like that was part of the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just don't do it. Stay yeah. out of the ocean. Stay the fuck out of the ocean. If I mm-hmm. had, if I could have one message for my listeners, it's stay out of the ocean. You know what's weird? If I could have two messages, it's that I think maybe dolphins could consent to sex with human beings. We don't know. Oh, I yeah. mean, like they understand the concept, right? Like, so what, I think what do you, who's rule. to say? Who's to say? Yeah, I think the general rule for having sex with an animal, and you can all quote me on this and write it down, is uh, if the animal is doing the sex on you, like that's consent, right? Is that controversial? Well, okay, now that I like, that I don't agree with. Have if you heard getting, of Mr. Hands, Dave? I have, but <laughs> the horse was all right, right? The horse was okay. I think In there's fact, some argument the that it was psychologically feel, hurt. Yeah. That it yeah. was traumatized a bit. I don't know. I'm not a horse psychologist. I, th- I think that's unethical. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I think if a horse knew, like, I feel like a horse should be proud if they've killed somebody. Uh, <laughs> because well, I was about to say so few of them do, but actually now that I think about it, they the probably have do a high kill body a lot count. Of people. Yeah, so that's yeah. not special. There's nothing special about Mr. Hands now that I think about it. No, no, no. But meanwhile, dolphins attempt to sexually assault people all the time. In all the, water. the time. It happens constantly, and they do to other dolphins. Yeah, so clearly, if you could communicate with a dolphin, I think it wouldn't necessarily be unethical as long as the dolphin gives consent. That's what I'm saying, Dave. Yeah. We need an animal consent system. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I think I just think dolphins, it should be the same rules as people. Okay. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's my rant about dolphin sex in the middle of this episode. We had to talk about sex with some kind of thing that you're not supposed to have sex with in an episode about libertarian politics. It's Dave. inevitable. It's, <laughs> it's inevitable. Yes. <laughs> that's, we knew, we knew where all these roads were heading. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It, Arguing about I, dolphin sex. If you're, if you're building a society on the ocean, you're thinking about fucking dolphins. We know it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. on the table. It's on the table. Uh, all right. I don't, I don't want to fuck an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say they're the most fuckable animals, I think. Yeah. That, that, yeah I, mean, I, I mean, I'm now I'm like racking my brain and I'm trying to think about it. You're thinking uh, about the blowhole, aren't you, Dave? <laughs> of course. Yeah. I lo- well, they're very smooth, I'm you know? I'm so like, excited for your DMs this week. <laughs> this is so exciting. We're going to get a lot of John C. Lilly fans <laughs> hitting us up. <laughs> so Peter Thiel was really bullish about the future of seasteading, right? This this. Uh, this idea of like little independent autonomous ocean communities that you can experiment with different political ideas and innovate in. He loves this. Um, Mm. And he promised ominously in a press statement at the time that, quote, the nature of government is about to change at a very fundamental level, which it was. And Peter Thiel had a lot to do with it, but it was not through seasteading. (laughs) Not something I want to hear from Peter Thiel. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I don't really want to hear much from Peter Thiel. No. Although Mm -hmm. I do want to know what he's up to. Yeah, I, I want I want eyes on the man, but yeah. I don't want to hear from him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We so, need like an amber alert with that. Yeah, P- Peter yeah. Teal's up to some shit. It's just always <laughs> yeah. flashing in the background. 
Get up in the morning. God damn it. <laughs> Peter Thiel. He's out. He's out there. Everybody he's look out, out for Peter Thiel. <laughs> it's only quiet when he's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Peter invests a bunch of startup cash to help make seasteading into like a name within kind of the, the libertarian community. But he doesn't put up a lot of cash. And by 2020, when the Guardian profiled the seasteading movement, his donations had dried up. By then, Friedman was billing seasteading. Friedman is the guy who founded it and convinced Teal to give him the money. Was billing seasteading as the perfect solution to the problem of finding yourself trapped in a government that doesn't sell, uh, that doesn't like have the same values that you have. Which I agree, that's a problem. Yeah. I think everyone listening to this right now knows what it's like to live under a government that does not oh, yeah. uh, uh, embrace your values. But um, yeah, uh, I don't see well. They think that seasteading is a perfect solution to that problem because you can move, right? Like it's like, what if, what if, you know, we wouldn't have the, a lot of the conflicts we have in society. There would be no need for protests or riots if, oh, I'm not happy with what my government's doing. I'll just pick up and drive away. You yeah, know, I'll like just th- join. It's modular. Like I'll just move my house to another government. And it's the kind of thing. They're all engineers, libertarians, and of, and the people yeah. in these projects, like both like libertarians and like the people who get most into seasteading and and similar sort of projects. They're all engineers, and it's a very engineer answer to the problem of like, oh yeah, well if you're not happy with your government, you can just pick up and move, which is technically perfect. And right. also completely insane when you're talking about people. It's nonsense. Like it's always that. okay. So everyone's supposed to leave their family behind. Like, what if they have debt somewhere? What if they have student loans? Um, what about like healthcare situations? What if you know they have what? What if it's not feasible for the vehicle that they are able to afford for them to actually get to another place? There's all these. What if they don't want to leave? They want to do something else. Yeah. What, what if know? they want to change it because there's people they love there and because like yeah. they've put a lot of sweat equity in it and they just don't like what one faction of people are doing. Like it's it doesn't. The, it, yeah, it's the tech bro problem where it's like yeah. figuring out tech stuff they're very good at. What they they don't they didn't go to school for it. They didn't have an upbringing for yeah. understanding human beings. It's always the X factor that they leave out of their equation because yeah. they just don't consider it. And it's uh, it seems to be everyone has like Dunning Kruger is a thing. We all. All, yeah. I, I certainly do talk sometimes on things that like we don't actually understand. It's a human thing. Like nobody escapes this. Right. There's um, probably entirely. like an expert on having sex with animals who's like, who's they like got no, it all wrong. they got it all wrong. <laughs> Let me tell you about how dolphins fuck. Yeah. The, that's not the most fuckable animal. Are you kidding yeah. me? It's yeah. the giraffe. Obviously. Just a man with a giraffe portrait in the background of his house screaming at us with, right. through his headphones. I've thought about this for years. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, engineers are the, I think the group of people most likely to be like, and I think it's because what they do is so difficult and so in demand and so impressive. Like a good engineer is like a wizard. Like some of the people, like I've known, I've known a dude once we were camping with him and like, he forgot to bring a headlamp. So he took apart, he, he turned the headlight of his car into a functional headlamp that lasted an entire week. And it took him like 30 seconds. Right. Um, like it, it's amazing when you can see people with that kind of like mechanical talent. The problem with that is that, like you said, they, they think that they understand everything that way and that yeah, everything it, works that way. And I they, think it's it, the, they don't. Yeah. I think it's yeah. the same with like doctors and stuff like that. Like yeah. you look at what's the same Ben Carson. Right. Um, yes. Where it's like you can be really smart about one thing. And if that thing feels very important, you get a lot of people who are like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Uh, you think, well, I must be smart about all the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when things get really wrong. That's I think when that's things why, get really wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
with people like us, we're really good at things that don't matter. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, I guess, again, you're right. We're probably overconfident and talk well, this out of our ass about a lot is, of things. Th- this is why podcasters keep giving people medical advice about what to do with vaccinations. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. the Joe Rogan phenomenon. Yeah, it's like, Joe Rogan's like, I'm very successful well, at Joe, what I you're do. really good at talking into a microphone and wrestling. Um, yeah. That doesn't really have anything to do with medicine, but by God, you think it does. Right. Um, and yeah, everybody does it to some extent, but for whatever reason, I don't know, it, this is especially a particular- white dudes. Especially uh, yeah. white engineers um, <laughs> yeah. who are fans of Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this they cook up this idea, um, this very dumb idea that also ignores like, is every individual seasteed self-sufficient in terms of food? Um, which often they'll say that like, well, yeah, of course they'll make their own food. You'll you'll be able to, you know, hydroponically farm and you'll do this and you'll do that. And it, and it, again, it's it's always when you read them like explaining how you'll grow all of your food that you need to survive in your individual sea pod. Um, it's like, OK, so you've never grown food. Right. Like, right. You've never, ever grown anything. Cause like, I am not an expert farmer. I am not an expert gardener, but I've spent a lot of my life on farm. It takes a lot of space and infrastructure. You can keep like a family alive on a half acre if you're really good yeah. and really, re- and that's a half acre of space that's fully utilized under like good conditions. You're Honestly, talking about like, growing food in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. My, my grift in this world would be, I'd go to the, whatever mainland's there, mm. go to the supermarket buy food, mm-hmm. go out in the boat and charge them triple for it. Because yeah. you'd make a killing doing that. Of just like, I, hey, yeah. you want some real food? I got Lunchables. All Lunchables. Here you go. Yeah. Like well, you still got plankton? <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah. You're sick of eating a, f- a bunch of fucking fish? Here. Mm-hmm. Have some goddamn fruit and vegetables. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all just like n- never thought out beyond I'll finally be able to mine Bitcoin and masturbate to illegal pornography. Right. Um, like that's the that's the end of most of the people, most people, most, not all people's thinking Again, who get into this. Yeah, it yeah. always it feels ultimately self-serving. That's what it yeah. is. It's always just they want to do the things they want to do. And then they're like they get a big head about it and they think yeah. like, man, this is how people should live. And it's like, yeah. mm. and as critics at the time noted, like the the worst case scenario for if this actually became a thing is a lot of people drown. Right. The best case yeah. scenario is like aquatic apartheid where rich people build their like artificial islands to hide from poor people where they can't be beaten and murdered during riots over climate change and inequality. Like that, that is the actual like, and also if we're talking about like a potentially realistic outcome of something like this, yeah, we've gotten better at like ships that can turn salt, uh, seawater into drinkable water and, can grow food if you have if you have Jeff Bezos's resources. He's building a very large boat right now. He could build a boat that could keep he and a number of other people alive with minimal supply for right. indefinitely. He has those like resources, his, right? But he wants like a boat with like an arcade and stuff. Yeah, I mean he's I building imagine. a very nice boat. Like, yeah, he's building the boat all these people dream about having. Right. Um, I'm sure it's going to be rad, but It'll also be a great escape pod for him. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a rich man water fortress while he watches the world die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Friedman got as far. And this is the only cool thing Friedman did. He started a Burning Man style nautical camping event called Ooh. Ephemeral outside of uh, Sacramento. I want to go. Um, it's not actually connected to Burning Man, but it's the same premise. And if you don't know Burning Man, it's like there's nobody in charge. There's no like talent and guests. Everybody's a participant and participates in making the event together and handling things like safety. And Ephemeral is like all aquatic. So people build platforms and attach them together. And like every platform is like a camp or a set of camps and stuff. And right. so they have bars and 
restaurants and and different kinds of like art projects that are all connected to living spaces in this gigantic floating raft they make in the middle of a river together. Um, and uh, yeah, it actually sounds rad as hell. Yeah, the very I first, yeah. They know what they're doing. We've gone to community communities yeah. that separated themselves Jesus. from the world. Yeah. And what they tend to be is very serious about it. Yeah. Yeah. They tend to yeah, know and they, and they tend to be like, look, someone has to do the the shitty stuff too. And yeah. we all take turns. And that's what it feels like these people are missing is the very serious like regard of how, how to actually yeah. do this it, stuff. And the fact that it comes down to like you're always going to have to work. Yeah. Period. <laughs> no you're going to have to work. It, you're yeah. always going to be responsible to other people. Other people are going to limit your behavior because that's just life around people. It doesn't have yeah. to be like a police state, but like there will be times when you're like, well, I would do this, but that will affect this other person in a negative way. And so I won't. And it right. makes these guys really pissed that that would ever be the case. But normal people, especially normal people who do difficult things like build communities out of unhewn wilderness together are like, well, yeah, we all give up a little bit of freedom in order to get to benefit from having other people around. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. If you live in, alone in a cabin in the woods, like, like you're, uh, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones in the movie wanted. That's, That's that right. Movie called wait, mm -hmm. no hunted. hunted. Sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. Um, you have to like, you have to get food and you have to, you have to do, you have to earn that through work. It's just what kind of work do you want to do? Yeah, you know? I, there's, there's, and I, I think actually the cool version of this you see in a femorile, which is, um, I think it would be rad if like people were building autonomous communities in the sea that weren't just tax dodges, but were like experiments to see if like, are there lower impact ways of keeping people alive? Is this perhaps a way we could do it that emits less or that, that is, is right. less toxic, that uses less land? Like, is this an option for refugee communities, for stateless people? Like there's another, and, and burners are kind of the perfect people to iterate that shit. So like the, the, the guy, one of the people that comes into the very first ephemeral is this dude who helped, who has been a long time person at the big burning man. And he's like a ranger and his specialty was like safety. Um, and he, he wasn't, I don't think he was even particularly into seasteading. He was just like, Oh, you guys are going to do an event on water where everyone's on water all the time. I don't want anyone to drown. I will help figure out how to make sure nobody drowns and they've kept doing it. So the first year they do this event, the seasteading Institute, like is the official host. And then after that, their lawyers are like, Hey, no organization can get insured to hold an event like this. It's way mm. too dangerous. Yeah. Um, you can never do this again. But it keeps happening because they just didn't need the Seasteading Institute. Just a bunch of people show up every year and lash a bunch of elaborate rafts together and have kept doing it for like a decade now. And no one's ever died. Yeah, I you can just find. have to be cool. It's like yeah. the drinking age in Canada. Just be cool. Yeah, yeah just like, be cool. It. Take care of each other. Um, they have, I've Googled this a little bit and like half of what they have written that's out on the internet is just like different guides to what to do if someone's drowning and how to avoid drowning. Like right. that's their number one rule is don't die. Again, it's, it's that, that's what bothers me, I guess, about yeah. these libertarian sea mm. plans is that I understand the want to break free of yes. this government. We all do. 
uh, you know, I grew up really into punk rock and, mm-hmm. and anarchy and all that crap. And so it's like the neat the, the idea of making a commune or a community and living away from the government is very appealing. Absolutely. It's just that these people start from the top down. They're they so start, bad at it. They're yeah. like casinos and malls yeah. and this stuff. And it's like, no, just get plumbing right. Yeah. yeah like get just plumbing get the, right. Figure out a better safety. way. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. There, there's. And it, again, it's this Friedman like gives up on seasteading. He abandons the idea as soon as like the money starts to dry up. And sure. um, I think the seasteading institute, I don't know if they still have a presence at a femoral, but they don't host it anymore. And it doesn't seem to be a big part of the project. And it's kind of like if you were actually serious about it, all you would want to do is create more events like this so that people can in real time beta test different pieces of equipment and figure out the best way to build like durable permanent like that's really the ideal way to do this it's not raise a bunch of money to like build your idea it's spend 10 years hosting events like this all over the world and have a couple hundred thousand people experiment with shit right again it's like a there's so much gel. cool shit here and if you're if you attend a femorile like hit me up it sounds rad i want to go yeah. um but this it, it, it just it, it shows you what a difference is between like if there ever is a colonization of the sea it's going to be like the people who do ephemerile. It's going to be like a bunch of people who already on their own are just making shit, living out in the sea for a couple of days or weeks at a time, figuring out better ways to do it and just keep doing that more and more and more. It's not going to be some VC firm crowdfunds a, a sea city, you know, because yeah, exactly. that's a dumb idea. Yeah, um, or it's a government or some... some or it'll be a government, like yes, that. absolutely. But yeah, yeah. the idea of a grassroots colonization, like, yeah, that is what it would start with and yeah. these the it's it, they're like expos you know like these little events where it's like we're just it's proof of concepts yeah uh, and it's very realistic and practical because like exactly. obviously if someone can put it together for like a week-long camp out um then it's probably actually accessible right yeah, yeah. anyway whatever you know what else is accessible david <sighs> um I don't, I don't, I don't, the virtues what? of capitalism, which you oh. can access by buying these products right now. Ooh. Don't think. Just get out your credit card and start paying. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. 
All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Ah, we are back. And boy, howdy, Dave. Um, It has just been a fun time. So Pat (laughs) Patrie Friedman, who founds the Seasteading Institute, he bounces uh, and he co-founds a corporation called Future Cities Development, which ceased operating in 2012 without making any cities. In 2019, he started another Peter Thiel-backed project, a venture capital firm named Promenos, Um, whose mission was to make enough money to pay to build an experimental city somewhere, but on land this time. Hmm. A Wikipedia entry on this subject adds hilariously, most of the cities will be aimed at foreign businesses seeking friendlier tax treatment. It's again this thing like we're talking a lot of shit on libertarians. I was a libertarian most of my life. I would still be one if I hadn't realized that a sizable chunk of people who call themselves libertarians just want a corporation to be their boss instead of the government. Right. They just want to do a fraud. Yeah. Uh, like in this, I feel less. So this is all Peter Thiel money. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, all I, the ones that Patrie is involved in. I, I feel better about that because that's, you're not scamming a bunch of people. You're scamming one person and that person is Peter Thiel. And it's like, all right, that's fine. Like if look, if you can scam a rich person out of a bunch of money, uh, you know, go for it. You know, you can write that yeah. down along with the animal fucking like it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I get it. Like it's, it's better than, uh scamming like 
you know, the little person. Doing yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree stuff. with you. If you're going to steal from someone, I think Peter Thiel is an incredible person to steal yeah, from. Don't, There's a don't lot of people I'm anybody, fine with you like, stealing from, but Peter Thiel is like, I will, I will buy you a, a, a drink if you successfully steal from Peter Thiel. Um, yeah. Happily, happily. Legally binding. Yeah. Sophie, can we make a t-shirt that says, I will buy you a drink if you if you rob <laughs> Peter Thiel? We can't, but I love steal, your enthusiasm. Steal the teal. There's a rhyme there. <laughs> There's definitely a rhyme teal. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, he's, he's rather litigious. So yeah. this is legally a joke. <laughs> legally um, a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, the Seasteading Institute, though, did not go away when Petrie Friedman moved on to other grifts. It just picked up a new leader, the Seavangelist. Uh, and that's a word that this guy created. Oh, Joe Quirk. No. I, don't like I mean, that word. you don't trust Seavangelist C-evang- Joe Quirk? No, I don't. I don't trust any part of that. Yeah, I certainly don't trust the last name Quirk. Quirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds kind of like Quark from... DS9. It does sound a little bit like yeah. from DS9, but also one of my just least a, favorite Frangie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also just sounds made up. It sounds like yeah. someone had to make up a name real quick. Uh, yeah. And they were like looking at like a cork in a bottle or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of the Ferengi now, Dave. And mm. just as a quick aside, why do you think Star Trek didn't just like... Like, they were supposed to be the new bad guys in, in TNG, and then everyone clearly realized after the first episode, oh my god, we made an anti-Semitic caricature race. Right, we made space Jews. Why, uh, why, did, why didn't they just stop? Like, why didn't they just give up? Like, they, clearly, they replaced them with the Borg. Why did we keep getting Ferengi? <laughs> like, what was the... I can, I have, I have an explanation. Okay. I mean, not for the space juice part. That just seems like in all fantasy when like JK Rowling was like, what if there's a banker race? And it was like, ah, yeah. that seems like a bad idea, JK. Um, no, uh, Star Trek, uh, this is my problem with new Star Trek. And I'll, I'll, I'll only talk about this for maybe 20, 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, sure. Tops. Uh, no, they, the, the whole thing with Star Trek is like the Klingons were the enemy in the original series. Then they're working with them in next generation. So it does make sense for the Ferengi to then be allies. Like it's all about not defeating your enemies, but joining them. And I think that's a very cool, positive message in Star Trek. It's why I don't like discovery because they're back to the Klingon stuff. And I'm like, no, I like progress, progress. Seven of nine, they had like good Borg people too. A hundred percent agree with you about what's good about Star Trek. I just don't see why the people making Star Trek were like, well, we can't just pretend we never made an anti-Semitism species and like like, make another capitalist species that don't look like a a Nazi cartoon. (laughs) Yes. I mean, early Star Trek, we were just talking about in this last episode where it's like progressive for the time. Yeah, You go to some season one Star Trek, there is a flat out very racist episode in the next generation. I think it's called Code of Honor. Uh, Oh, yeah. The planet (laughs) where everybody's um, all of the people on the planet are black. And it's very, very uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. They they kidnap Tasha Yar. They sure do, Dave. And it's just like, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, we didn't. Look. They're all just white dude sci-fi. They're trying to be progressive, but like yeah, they are being the, progressive. They're just not perfect people. In the nineties, yeah, you know, they're they're flawed human beings with bigotry that they didn't recognize was there, and they made something really cringy. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, um, that happens. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of cringy, 
let's keep talking about the Seasteading Institute and Joe Quirk, <laughs> the Seavangelist. Now, I haven't found a lot out about this guy's life before Seasteading. He must be, he, he's got to be somewhere in his like mid to late 40s, maybe early 50s. His first recorded accomplishment of any note is the publication of a novel called The Ultimate Rush in 1998. The Ultimate Rush was about, quote, a rollerblading messenger caught in an illegal insider trading ring, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> That's not what I thought it was going to be. The rollerblading messenger is named Chet Griffin, and he, quote, spins his nights hacking for fun. So he's a, he's a hacker roller skating messenger. I wonder how much of this was a ripoff of Snow Crash. Actually, I don't know. This, now that I this read this. Sounds like it. Like this sounds like Gleaming the Cube. Did you ever see that movie Mm-mm. where it's like you it's a skateboarding Christian Slater movie and you're like, oh, cool. Maybe it'll be about like the big the big skateboarding uh, competition. Because you say and skateboarding it, Christian Slater movie. And I think I why am I not watching this right. right this second? The movie actually is like fucking Chinatown. Like it's oh. like this weird noir where he's like doing terrorism against a corporation that killed his brother. And it's like. Come on, man! Just skateboard to rock music, which also happens in the movie. But it's it's what it, that's what this sounds like is like it's too many hats on a hat is well, what I'm getting at here. Dave, I have a Christian Slater story to tell you, but remind me Ooh. to save it for the end because I don't want to break up the flow too much here. Sure. Joe wrote this skateboarding hacker messenger insider trading book in 1998, and it made very little impact. Although Joe claims 250,000 paperbacks were printed which is key. (laughs) That's a little thing you can tell about an author. Printed, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And where are they? Are they Where'd they go? Are they they perhaps in your attic right now? The most noteworthy thing about this book is that in 2011, Joe sued Sony Pictures for their upcoming feature film Premium Rush, alleging that it was based on his screenplay. A judge said no, it was not. Um, He did not win this lawsuit. Just had the word rush in it. Yeah, I'm guessing. Um, Did he yeah, there was the more similarities than that, but oh, okay. Yeah, in 2008, he wrote a book about love, sex, and relationships, from which we get an author bio that tells us slightly more about him. And this this really gets a lot of this man's character, Joe Quirk, comes across in this paragraph, mm. Dave. I studied literature and and minored in development of Western civilization at Providence College, taught partially by Dominican priests who had no sense of humor when it came to my biological observations about celibacy. I graduated at the top of the bottom of the top of the bottom tenth of my class. I attended one year of law school, so I only lost one third of my soul, which is just enough to function in American society. I invested the last seven years of my novel royalties in reading evolutionary biology studies full time. Now I finally feel ready to ask a woman on a date. Oh no! <laughs> that's so that's so heartbreaking. Oh, what a way to end that! Oh no! Yeah, Joe, buddy. So that's the basics of Joe Quirk. You have a picture of him now. Yeah. In 2014. Yeah, we've all met a Joe Quirk. Yeah. <laughs> In 2014, he becomes the Seavangelist for Seasteading, uh, which I think is the head. But I'm not really certain, and I don't care to find out. Um, The next year, he founds an organization dedicated to building a floating city with unprecedented political autonomy in the waters of a host nation. The Guardian goes on to describe the start of Joe's contributions to the magical world of libertarian boat cons. Quote, Nearly half of the world's surface is unclaimed, says Quirk, who published a book on seasteading in 2017 with the ambitious subtitle, How Floating Nations Will Restore the Environment, Enrich the Poor, Cure the Sick, and Liberate Humanity from Politicians. 
In an introductory video, he describes the planet's oceans as a sort of research and development zone where we could discover better means of governance, and says that seasteading could provide the technology for thousands of people to start their own nano-nation on the high seas, giving people opportunities to, pre to peacefully test new ideas about living together. The most successful seasteads, he says, will become thriving new societies, inspiring change around the world. Now, there's a lot in there that's very funny, Dave. Um, yeah. I, I like the fact that this is going to be a research and development zone, uh, but also a, a way for people to to live together, even though like the whole basis of it is you, you can escape if you find yourself in a uh, around people you don't like, um, which it, it actually seems like you're not learning to live together. You're just learning to like f flee a series of communities as they collapse in interpersonal conflicts. Right. Um, it feels more Mad Max, where it's yeah. like if everything falls apart, everybody scatters, yeah. and they go do their other experimental communities. Yeah, um, it's it's one of those, like, if you were utopian, and I am, you have to grapple with the fact that, like, there's a lot of times people have tried to separate from society and make their own new society, and it usually collapses. Yeah. And, like, and not for because the government cracks down, but because, like, Diff the wrong people fuck each other <laughs> like right it, like the most utopian projects in in the way most punk houses end yes with everybody hating each other yeah yeah and uh, none and of someone, the dishes done and a lot of new stds spread right someone gets their foot broken or something yeah. like that and it's a whole thing yeah yeah um, you, yeah a good punk house only lasts maybe a couple of years yeah, maybe and that's, that's the I mean, I guess I could I could I would say maybe some interesting ideas would come out of a bunch of like seaborne punk houses floating around and breaking apart and reforming. Um, I don't but think, also maybe yeah, not, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, some other things could occur, too. Um, I'll admit to being intrigued by the idea somewhat, although I don't think their per their pitch for how it would actually look is particularly interesting. Right. So again, I get yeah. it when they're like, look at that whole ocean that we got. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, that's true. That's a whole lot of land. Well, not really land, uh, but space. it's a whole lot of space that like if someone figured out something to do with it. It's a good eye. It, like, oh, that's a that's cool. But then again, it's like, again, the ocean doesn't want us there. Let's not fuck up another area. Although we are fucking up the ocean. Let's not yeah, well, fuck I mean, it we're up murdering more. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things about like we'll get on this, but like I don't. They all they always talk about how ecologically friendly it will be, but like they're also the people who think the the EPA is like the an, an illegal organization right. and we should like there should be no environmental rules about where you can and can't dump poison right um, it's, it's the one so case for them. yeah it's the one case for like colonies on mars this is like mm -hmm. yeah go there go on yeah i go i'm fucking right up in i never mars. get that mad about anything people say about colonizing mars because it's like well the worst case scenario is you die and i don't mm -hmm. know you um, exactly. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's You're like, not yeah, going to hurt much. Go fill it with your trash. I don't give a shit mm -hmm. about Mars. Yeah. Mars is already dead. You're very welcome there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, again, so far, this guy, Joe Quirks, attempts um, to establish a floating utopia do not bode well for the future of 
utopian sea cities. In January of 2017, after years of technical feasibility studies and political negotiations, the Seasteading Institute signed a Memorandum of Understanding with the government of French Polynesia to build the first seasteads in its territorial waters. The designs were developed by Dutch architects named Blue 21, um, and it was kind of looked like a, a big resort. Um, there was a bunch of uh, villas and, yeah, all sorts of, like, there's this idea there's going to be big parks and shit, like the other ones we're talking about. Right. Um, and they plan to fund it through an initial coin offering, which is like a, a crowdfunding thing. Um, like we're, we're going, not a crowdfunding. It's, it's, um, they're, they were planning to launch a new cryptocurrency and have the value of that cryptocurrency and like the money people put into it, buying the initial co coins fund the start of the, uh, of the Island that they're going to build for the, the community they're going to build in French Polynesia. Right. Um, yeah. Joe Quirk told reporters, we're going to draw a new map of the world with French Polynesia at the center of the aquatic age. So that's, I mean, it's a step further than anyone else has really gotten. Yeah. Cryptocurrency is a good way to get this, yeah, and it's and, and here's the thing that they they didn't prove over the, the the Republic of Minerva. They actually like sat down with the government and were like, "We want to do this." Yeah, which is you know they've gotten farther than anybody else before they've gotten them. It sounds further like. than anybody else before them. Yeah. Um. Now I uh, there's a lot of this that I find frustrating. Um, including the fact mm. that like I, I I find I'm particularly kind of. Like, as we just joked about it, but there's something really gross about Quirk's line that, like, we're going to draw a new map of the world with with French Polynesia at the center in this, like, community we're building at the center of the aquatic age. Because the ocean, one of its <laughs> the best things about the ocean is that there's, like, there's not a bunch of countries in it murdering each other all the time and doing other horrible things. It's mostly just ocean. Right. Um, and there's something disgusting about a person who would look at this, this like vast incomprehensible expanse of water with no no borders or walls around most of it and be like well what if we just made it more like the places where we're murdering each other exactly um, it defeats just the purpose yeah it's like jeff bezos looking at space and being like we should mm -hmm. move industry here and it's yeah, like really yeah. really Anyway, my dislike of Quirk is kind of furthered by the fact that he chose French Polynesia uh, for the site of this. And he chose it because it's the world's largest exclusive economic zone. Now, an exclusive economic zone, it's basically it's a zone that can stretch, I think, up to like 200 miles from the coastline of a nation where you have kind of control of what, like, you can levy taxes and shit, right? Like, it's it's your territory in terms of, like, what, what shit passes through. Mm -hmm. um, and French Polynesia, because it's this, it's, there's, like, a shitload of islands in French Polynesia, and it's spread over a wide geographic area, they have the largest exclusive economic zone in the world. So potentially, you could monetize a lot of this more than it is currently being monetized. And that was kind of the goal these people had, right? Um, so Tom Bell, a professor of law in Orange County, drafted a contract for an agreement with the government of French Polynesia. He told reporters, we explained to the Polynesians how having a quasi-autonomous area nearby was a good thing. Look at Monaco or Hong Kong or Singapore. Special jurisdictions create a lot of growth outside their borders. Like Quirk, Bell also has a book about how people are going to start making their own sea cities for reasons besides tax haven. He theorizes that the first seastead state will grow like a coral polyp and be so economically successful that it will enrich the whole area until it breaks free to live on the open ocean. So again, he's saying that like we're going to start this thing in French Polynesia. It's going to be a huge economic hit. It's going to make a bunch of money and grow larger and larger. And eventually we'll just sail away from French Polynesia and abandon them because we'll be big enough that we won't have to have the protection of a state anymore. Right. Which is 
kind of shitty to French Polynesia because French Polynesia is one of the countries most threatened by climate change. Huge chunks of French Polynesia will cease to exist in the not distant future as a result of rising sea levels. And Quirk and Bell are basically saying, hey, we want to come into your country pollute the water, spew carbon into the atmosphere, speed up the rate at which your islands sink, and do that in order to power our Bitcoin mining rigs. And then once we get rich and have a big island, we're going to sail it away and you guys can fucking deal with it. Right. It's like it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like Tony Soprano giving someone a loan where it's like, I'm going to we're going to take as much as we can from you mm-hmm. and then we're going to toss you out. That's yeah. it. We, we, we got what we needed. And now, it, yeah. And now we're going to bounce. And so and, it's like, it's a short-term solution for that country, probably, or at least yep. that's how they view it. And then it's they're just going to get used up. Yeah. yeah. It's really yeah. shitty. It, again, it defeats the entire purpose. Because it's like, look, if you're going to be shitty and use up resources and, and, and just ruin the world, just do that here in the yeah. U.S. <laughs> like, what's the point? Yeah, like you already have the ability to do most of these shitty. You can fuck over French Polynesia without traveling there. Every day, yeah. Americans fuck over French Polynesia. Like, exactly. You, you're, you, there's, you have a variety of options for, for harming the nation of French Polynesia without leaving your home. I yeah. heard French Polynesia this morning when I opened a can of soda. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so easy. It's, it's so incredibly easy. easy to harm French Polynesia. And, the, and you also um, got some soda out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got some soda out of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, as is probably obvious by the fact that it was obvious to us what a bad deal this was, it was obvious to French Polynesia. The government like agreed to sit down and and talk to them a little bit. And the government agreed because, um, the former minister of tourism for French Polynesia, Mark Collins, co-founded a company called Blue Frontiers with Joe Quirk, um, in order Mm. to like create the project. Um, so that's, that's, I think why there was some initial buy-in that the government had, but that quickly ended. Uh, And I'm going to read from The Guardian here. The government was looking for something to address sea level rise and environmental degradation, whereas the Seasteading Institute was more about autonomy, Mark Collins says. He says that the prospect of a tax-free enclave held little appeal for the locals, given that Polynesians don't pay income tax anyway. One Tahitian TV host compared the situation to the evil galactic empire in Star Wars, imposing (laughs) on the innocent Ewoks while secretly building the Death Star. The libertarian position didn't help either. As Collins Chin put it, It's very difficult to ask for government support when your narrative is that you want to get rid of politicians. In retrospect, Bell agrees. They already had a beautiful paradise in French Polynesia. The local community wasn't very enthused about the project, and I get it. They don't need strangers coming in and ruining their view. Which, uh, glad you got that eventually, buddy. Um, Yeah. It sounds like for the most part they weren't. They weren't yeah. buying what they were selling. No, they were although like, they all right, were, we'll sit, we'll sit down with you. I, I think there may have been some money that changed hands because there were people in the government who were initially kind of bullish on this, and then there were protests in the streets over it. Got like, it. yeah, people being like, "What about our fishing areas? Like, what about like what, this is such a bad uh, like people were like this is obviously a terrible idea," and the government quickly backed off. Yeah, they were like, um, "No, it's not." It's and then they thought for a second, they're yeah. like, "Okay, never mind." Yep. This was dumb. This was dumb, everybody. Sorry. So when yeah. Blue Frontiers, the company that they were going to colonize the ocean around uh, <laughs> the, the French Polynesia with, um, when that fails, uh, Collins Chin goes off to set start yet another sea city project. Um, and he claims to have given up, and Collins Chin, again, like the 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 guy from the, the government who had been working with him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, so Collins Chin starts another Sea City project, um, and he, he th- this one is a lot savvier, and I think he might actually succeed to an extent, because he claims to have given up on the idea that libertarian tax dodge is a good basis for a civilization, and he instead founded an organization with the goal of making floating cities that are extensions of existing cities, and thus pay taxes as normal. Basically like, hey, real estate's expensive in San Francisco, what if we build a floating city? Right, right in the right outside right. the bay. What if we build a floating city on the side of New York? And like that's that's the thing he's trying to sell. Which like, yeah, shit, that might work someday. Like yeah. something like that might exist one of these days to deal with a variety of things. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it might have to exist at some. Yeah, it point. may be inevitable. Yeah, it's just very funny that this whole this it feels like one long negotiation. This history that has reduced to like okay, it's uh, extension of city outside. Yeah, what if what if it is the yeah. same laws as San Francisco, California, but we yeah. have waves. It, you know, um, honestly, if they if they do it and then they're like, we won. Uh, it's like, good for you, man. Yeah. You, good for yeah. you guys. Good work. Yeah. And I, yeah, that that doesn't feel like a new type of government or something revolutionary. It just seems like a neat thing we could do mm-hmm. <laughs> outside yeah. of a city. It uh, also it's a it's a mix of neat thing we could do and thing we may have to do because of how badly we fucked up other things. Yeah. And you know what? If more people are living in the ocean, maybe those are people who'd be like, hey, stop throwing stuff in here. Turns out we're doing bad shit to the ocean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just checked the ocean and it turns out it's not good here. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> along with all the monsters it's filled with, there's a lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing is if if any of them came on it from sustainable living and mm-hmm. cleaning up because we've we're, you know, there's all these prototypes and stuff of like ways to clean up the ocean and stuff i feel like everybody would be like way more into this yes if they're like like, if we're gonna live out there we're gonna do some online gambling but also we're gonna pick up all your trash and if and that's also a good way to make money or to to be sustainable where like the you can get help from other countries because they're like they're cleaning up our trash we should support them uh, but again, it all starts from this very selfish place. Yeah, uh, it's extremely selfish. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. silly. It's silly and it's a bummer. Because again, as we keep coming back to, there's cool ideas. Yeah. So Chin's idea for for these cities that are extensions of regular cities, but in the water, is to create a series of interlocking hexagonal islands, which harvest power from waves and sunlight and regenerate marine life through an artificial reef system. And a lot of these different seasteading plans today will say like, and we'll grow back the reefs. It'll provide a habitat for the animals. If they actually um, do it, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, he calls his idea Oceanic City, um, and he claims that the, the hexagonal design allows for drag and drop cities designing just like in sim city so you can like float a city block away and stick it in a new place or just like drop a hospital or a university you know in the middle of a thing right um and yeah i i think aspects of this dream uh might be realistic and i think in general one of the things that's changed from now to the earlier days and like the 70s and then the 90s of this is that better technology stuff like 3d printers means like you could do this like, this isn't like the Mars colony where we're like, well, Elon, it may not actually be possible to do what you're talking about at our current level of technology in any, in any reasonable capacity. We could absolutely build, like, 
semi-autonomous sea habitats that people lived on and were modular. Like, that's not physically impossible. Right. Um, and as a result, the kind of libertarian dreams of seasteading have gone from... The first ones were all grifts, right? There were attempts to raise money in order to, like, get money, and nobody actually wanted to build anything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now that's kind of changed, and you're starting to get the first libertarian seasteading advocates who believe in something and are actually willing to risk everything they have to try and set up a life at sea. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, because yeah. the grift that they the thing that they were promising in the grift, not a bad idea, but they were just doing a grift. So it does make sense for someone to come along and be like, but what if we actually did it? Yeah. What, yeah, if, what we if we tried? just did it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These new things you're talking about, it's just so much more realistic. It reminds me of playing like Minecraft or Valheim or any survival game where it's like you build a base and then if you want to fuck off and make a new base Mm -hmm. in the ocean, for example, you can't just like start again. You move your resources. Um, You you build it as part of it. And that's what they're getting at here, which is like the first ideas was like clean break. We're doing our own thing. And it's like you kind of can't do that. Like, don't print your own money immediately. Like, like this, the idea of building a city off of an existing city is a good compromise if they actually do the things that they're saying they can do. Uh, yeah. It's, it's realistic. Yeah. And it's, um, th- that's kind of why you, you've seen so far just one, well, no, three now, but the first people who have actually done the opposite of a grift lost huge amounts of money trying to create societies at sea. Um, right. And the first of these guys, and the one who put the most skin in the game, is Chad Elwartowski. Uh, Chad is a lifelong libertarian, uh, from the information available at least. Uh, it seems like he got his start as a student at Michigan State University in 1996. His first election was Bill Clinton's re-election, and Chad attended a speech by the president and found himself disturbed. Not by any of the sex crime stuff, but by <laughs> Bill Clinton's spending. Quote, He's talking about investing in this, investing in that, investing in that. I knew investing was code word for, we're going to be spending money on this. Mm. Chad believed that the country needed to spend less and tax its people less. He spent time briefly agitating for the Free State Project and the Ron Paul campaign. In 2002, after graduation, he got a job as a software engineer in Georgia. Chad made a stab at starting a political life there, running for Congress once as a libertarian, but he couldn't get enough signatures to get on the ballot. During these years, most of Chad's political activism was complaining about the failure of libertarian politics to take off nationwide. He was just kind of like, why hasn't this happened yet? Um, After years of this, he decided that, fuck it, he'd just go out and start his own settlement and live free. He spent years experimenting with different constructions methods in his off time. Uh, He would work 17-hour days as a software contractor and then, like, spend time trying to develop ways to build a sea habitat and whatnot in his off time. Um, He did a lot of, like, government contracting. He was in Afghanistan for a while, like, coding for the Department of Defense. And he made a shitload of money, um, which he put into Bitcoin. And in 2015, he got briefly involved with a couple of people uh, in a project to sell C-notes to try and raise $15 million to make a village at sea. Only five people invested, so the project was canceled, and Chad was adamant to invest or to uh, reporters that he refunded all of their money. Um, Did he? C-notes sounds like a scam, but maybe it wasn't. Uh, based on what comes next, I don't think it was. I think Chad's pretty earnest. My note to Chad, uh, if Chad's listening, is it sounds like he's he has some ideas, 
Uh, he's just not finding people who are interested. Uh, he is yeah. not popular. It's not getting enough signatures. That seems like the story of his life with this stuff so far. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that, yeah, I, and I think that's, that is about to change because in 2016, Ooh. Chad retires and he's got a bunch of money. Um, mostly in crypto, enough that he doesn't have to work anymore. So he spends some time bumming around trying to find other people who will try to start a society with him. Um, and he meets a tour guide when he's in Thailand. And they fall in love and get married. Now, good for Chad. When you talk about a white rich guy who travels to Thailand and meets a, a, a tour guide and gets married, that is often a problematic story. Um, it's it's often horrible 100% of the time. I don't think it is this time. Because number good. one, she's 33 when they get married. So it's not nothing good. questionable about it. That's um, she's got like a 13-year-old kid. So like I think he just like actually found someone and they fell in love and it's fine. Um, sure. So Chad Elwartowski, you get the official behind the bastard seal of married a Thai woman while on vacation, but not like in a predatory way award. Nice. Are you going to mm-hmm. mail that to him? Yeah. Uh, it's 45 pounds and made of solid bronze. Sure. Um, yeah. As it should be. You know who also doesn't get married in a predatory way? Oh, God. But what <laughs> you if can't what, I said that. didn't. Yeah. I said didn't. Yeah, but what if it's accidentally a Washington State Patrol? <laughs> yeah, if it's the Washington State Patrol, <laughs> they definitely, <laughs> at least 40% of the time. Am I right? Oh, okay. Dear. Here's the ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. We're back and we're talking about robbing insured banks and Peter Thiel. Mm. Um... Yeah. The American dream. The American dream. Ah, I love America. So this lady, <laughs> Chad, Chad marries a lady. Her name, she calls herself Nadia Summer Girl. Um, she picked a, a last name for herself when she, when she, I think oh, when she left the she island picked was in English. Summer Girl. She picked Summer Girl. Whatever. People make names. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. They get married and they actually move to French Polynesia briefly to help Blue Frontiers and their seasteading event. So like when they're courting the government of French Polynesia, Chad hears about this and he just moves there right away. Like, again, he's incredibly earnest. He's like, oh, my God, this government's actually agreed. Like, I'll just I'll be I, I need to move there so that when things start happening, I'm right in the middle of it. Um, right. Up until the end here, he's pretty endearing in some ways. Um <laughs> But yeah, the whole thing falls apart, as we just discussed. And so El Wartowski flees back to Thailand with his new bride. Uh, next, he gets in contact with a German engineer named Rudiger Kolk. Uh, like Chad, a libertarian, like Chad, Rudiger is a libertarian. Um, and he he's a libertarian who made all of his money in like the defense industry. He designed weapon systems before getting really into cryptocurrency and retiring to Thailand. Um, he had a dream, which he discussed in the Seasteading uh, Institute forum of creating a launch loop, which is a huge slingshot that can throw things into space. And Rudiger Koch didn't like come up with the idea of a launch loop. People had talked for a while about like, well, you wouldn't actually need like all the fuel and stuff that you need if you could build a big enough slingshot type thing to just like launch stuff into the into the atmosphere and is this like um, just like throw in like cows and like cars i think and spaceships like mostly dave i think they're really oh, shooting for spaceships i think that's a waste <laughs> you'd Man. rather what, what would you fling into space just whatever i want space to have you know like confuse some aliens a yeah throw iggy pop now. out there give him to space yeah. start things yeah, off yeah. on a good footing with space Oh, yeah. That way when space is like, should we kill this planet with a meteor? They'll be like, not the guys that gave us Iggy. Right. I want the first contact aliens have with our species to be their UFO slamming into Iggy Pop. Yeah. Like, that's what I like. Oh, my God. We hit something. Pull over. Mm -hmm. And then it's Iggy Pop. Yeah. And it's Iggy Pop. frozen corpse. Iggy Pop. Yeah. And and a a single copy of one of the Stooges albums. Um, Yeah. That'll set things off right. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect idea. Perfect idea. So Coke wants to build a a launch loop, um, which a thing, I think it's a thing that could potentially work. Like, I think it's a thing where, like, 
astronautical engineers were like, well, yeah, tech, you could make something technically that would work this way, and it might be a good idea, um, but no one had ever built it because it requires an enormous amount of space, so much that you could only really do it in the ocean. Um, and, uh, sorry, it's a catapult? Yeah, it's like a... Like it's this like is wily yeah, coyotes? Yeah, like, to just like fling shit into the stars. Incredible. Yeah, it's a cool idea. I don't I don't know how actually practical it is, but a bunch if of people it, think it is. And Yeah, honestly... It's more sustainable, right, than what we're doing now. If you could do it, it seems like it would be a good idea, potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Coke is like, well, we have to do it in the ocean. And so he he makes a deal with Chad that they'll they'll pick a spot, and they're going to have to, for this launch loop, build a watchtower, right, so you can watch the launches. And so Coke is like, hey, you go in, you help me fund this. You just live in the watchtower. You get your thing. You get to start seasteading, and I can use that as a base to make my my loop, right? Um, so both men get get on board a project together. And again, most promising, they have a goal other than just like avoid taxes. Right. And it's a little maybe outside of their means, but at least it's a goal. At least it's a dream beyond avoid taxes. Um, uh, no, I just had a realization of all of this. All of these guys, because we've been talking about the idea of like, they keep framing it as we should start a society, but ultimately it's just that they want to live a certain way. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the problem. I think it's an issue with libertarian in general, which is like you need to show how this would benefit people yeah. uh, in general. No, what it, it just occurred to me. They all just want to be lighthouse keepers. Yeah. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's the answer. Just be a lighthouse keeper and you're all set. Not no enough lighthouses, Dave. I know. We need to bring back lighthouses. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll solve libertarians. That's that's Joe Biden's next big spending bill. Yeah. A trillion yeah. dollars for lighthouses. Yeah. That's it. That's all we need. So Chad and uh, and Coke like decide to form a company in order to to build this launch loop and a community around it. They name their company Ocean Builders, and their plan is to sell twenty or so pods at least, and kind of build a community around this launch loop. And I think the idea is like, hey, if we actually build like a, a space launch facility, you're gonna want to live around that. There's gonna be a bunch of money around that. There's a whole lot of businesses that like people could do, and you know. It's not the yeah. worst uh, of the ideas people have had in this episode. It's the best. Yeah, so they build absolutely. a prototype and they tow it into international waters, unflagged, transmitting nothing off the coast of Thailand. Edward Towski had eventually tr- had initially tried to uh, keep a low profile and he wanted to he didn't want to like make a big deal about it until things got established. But he also wanted to work with the Seasteading Institute on the project. And once they heard a guy had actually made a seastead, like there's a dude living in the ocean off of a platform in international waters. They sent their president out to film a documentary about him. As The Guardian writes, it was not a stirring success, but also not a failure. More importantly, it was real, making Chad our first not-a-grifter of the episode. Wow. Due to a construction snafu, the pod listed 10 degrees. On stormy nights, Elwertowski and Summergirl abandoned the tiny bedroom and slept in the kitchen, as close as possible to the central spar. A grocery run was a four-day affair, and since there was nothing outside the seastead to park a boat, Coke had to pick them up. They sometimes stayed on shore instead, in an apartment in Phuket that Elwertowski had rented for Summergirl's mother and 14-year-old son. So... This is not easy. They're they're really committed to this. Like you yeah, have to give it, it to them. These are believers. This is not a grift. You would not live that way for a grift. That's a that's a nightmare. No, they're like, not. That sounds fucking miserable. Yeah. 
Um, I found an article on News BTC, which is a Bitcoin and crypto news website, about Chad and Summer Girl's establishment of the first actual libertarian seastead. It was published in the spring of 2019, after the first episodes of the documentary about the effort came out. This article mostly celebrates that Chad used Bitcoin profits to build his new home. It includes this line. El Wartowski states that the couple has made no effort to seek approval from the Thai government for their new home. He commented, We've just been keeping under the radar so far, but we follow all the laws of Thailand, so it's as if we're just living on a boat in the water as far as they're concerned. All we expect from the Thai government is that they follow international law. We will be doing the same. But Nadia and I aren't doing anything we can't do on land. So, you think that worked, Dave? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's again, it's just that they're... They're just living in the ocean. Like, it doesn't feel like they've built a libertarian society so well, much as they here's live the thing. in the ocean. You know who took this seriously? Is the Thai government. Um, <laughs> so in Thailand, <laughs> you can go to prison for forever if you, like, make fun of the king. Um, right. You can get executed for, for smuggling drugs. It's not a chill government, Thailand's okay. government. So they're a little um, tightly wound. Is they're a I'm little tightly here. wound, right? They don't like people um, just existing in their ocean. Yeah, they don't uh, like some guy starting his own nation off of their coast. That They, right. they did not, they, they were not okay with this. I mean, in fairness, like, if I had a yard and mm-hmm. then someone was like, look, I'm just existing in your yard. I'd be like, maybe get off my yard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, like, I, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll see if you're cool. But maybe get off my yard. And they're like, it's yeah. cool. I'm a libertarian. And I'm like, I'm, I'm calling the cops. But <laughs> yeah, actually, no. I'm not going to call the cops <laughs> because that doesn't help. But yes. Yeah. I will, um, I will have a drone dispatch uh, yeah. you. <laughs> By the way, uh, sorry, quick aside. This is called Ocean Builder. Yeah. What is all the names, Ben? There was like Oceana. Oh, God. There's like New Utopia, the Utopian Oceanics, Oceania. It just occurred to Minerva. me. They all sound like Sim Builder games. They do all sound like video games that, uh, what's his name? The guy who made The Sims. Yeah, they all yeah. sound like that. They anyway. all sound like that. So uh, the Thai government finds out because he keeps doing press that he's living illegally maybe off of the coast of their nation again the legal situation here is kind of unclear um but the thai government uh is not chill about it and in april of 2019 summer girl gets a text from a friend back on the mainland that she and her new husband are on tv the thai navy had judged their platform to be an illegal breakaway state and a threat to thai sovereignty and (laughs) threatening thai sovereignty is a capital crime they could both be given the death sentence for this oh my god also there's never a good time to be surprised by the text you're on tv yeah like i would never be like "Ooh, yeah like you want to know if you're going to be on tv you don't want to be shocked by that and and here's the thing um Chad is an anarcho-capitalist, uh, and when the when he gets reached out to by the media, like, "Hey, what do you think about the Thai government threatening to to like saying that you're a threat to their sovereignty?" He like he goes into an ideological explanation. He's like, "Well, I don't believe in nations or borders, so obviously I'm not trying to create a breakaway nation. Like that's, that's just absurd." Great. The Thai government <laughs> they, does not buy this. Hand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like you're not going to convince the Thai government that that anarcho-capitalism is a thing, Chad. They're just right. not going to listen, and I indeed never, they don't. <laughs> yeah. I have never once been able to leave a store with a product and pay with "I don't believe in money." Mm-hmm. Like that's never been a thing that accept yeah yeah as many Chad times may as not I have believed in a state but thailand does and they have a military which they yeah. send after him um he and summer girl barely managed to escape pursuit with their lives it's a whole deal Jesus. um 
Yeah, like they and they they are wanted in a bunch of the world now. Um, they had to travel places that didn't extradite to fucking Thailand. Um, and it's 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 actually kind of an interesting story you can find in that Guardian article. But to make a long story short, the place they land next is Panama. Now, over the course of late 2019, after fleeing for their lives, Chad and Summer Girl had sat down with Coke, the uh, the space slingshot guy in Panama, and another guy, Grant Romant. Um, now, Grant is the former host of a TV show for hairstylists. Um, okay. He was made CEO. Uh, once they meet Grant, this hairstylist, they make him CEO of Ocean Builders uh, fairly shortly. Um, and from what I can tell, he did have one real qualification, which is that in the 90s, before his hairstylist days, I guess, he had worked on the Freedom Ship Project in Florida. Okay. Um, so he had Still. he had that experience. He worked Still. on a grift. Um, the first two qualifications on his company bio were that he had he had quote one of the most advanced mobile paperless offices in Canada in 1995, and that he had also quote lived in a tech frat house in San Francisco with one of the six co-founders of PayPal. Wow. So literally, the, the the top two lines on his resume are. I, I ran an office in Canada once, and I I used to live in a frat house. I lived with some people. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's an incredible, it's, incredible plex. All of these, this it is a pa- like a pattern, right? Not just with this, but a lot of your episodes, where if you look at their like employment history, it's like it's like ma- like managed a Dairy Queen yeah. one year later, tried to start a government, mm-hmm. and it, like it's it's just. I again, I I sort of get it. Uh, frustrated people are just like, you know what? I'm just gonna hit the reset button. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it never works. It never does. So yeah. he had had this guy Grant, who they pick as their CEO. So they all meet up in Panama, and uh, Coke introduces these two run, now fleeing from the Thai government to to Grant, and they're like, well, this guy should run our fucking business. Um, <laughs> Now, Grant was, like all of these people, independently wealthy, right? That's the other thing. These are all, like, independently wealthy, rich people with nothing else to do. Um, And this is the first one I respect, because at least Chad put some skin in the game. Right. So together, independently wealthy, it often feels like it means they had wealthy... They're from a wealthy family. I think probably in a lot of cases. I don't know. I I, I don't know as much about all of their early lives because there's not always a lot on these people. There's not like super detailed Wikipedias and stuff. They just appear. And you have what they say to journalists about their background. So we know that um, L. Wartowski, Grant, and Koch put a bunch of money into setting up a land base in Panama where they were going to invest in technology. They'd figure out how to 3D print the things they need and design submarine drones and the like. And um, I do think they put a lot of money into this. Again, they're not grifters, I don't think. They do actually believe, or at least some of them believe. L. Wartowski certainly does. Um, Unfortunately, what they believed in was not free so much as it was a specific freedom to take ownership of a thing not currently owned and exploit it for profit. The Guardian makes it clear that their ideology, while less fraudulent than their predecessors, was still deeply problematic. Quote, in a 1998 essay, Wayne Gramlich, a founder of the Seasteading Institute, noted that the frontier was settled not by a few well-financed parties, but by tens of thousands of smaller groups. These homesteaders were granted the legal right to a plot of land so long as they built a house and farmed for five years. As they converted the landscape, they laid the foundations for today's continent-spanning United States. Gramlich wanted to find technologies that would allow individuals to similarly colonize the sea. Quirk, too, discusses the U.S. frontier in his book Seasteading. 
It was a place, he notes, where leaders liberally doled out rights as they competed for new citizens. Western states did away with voting eligibility requirements based on land ownership or tax payment, Quirk says. And Wyoming offered women the right to vote before anywhere else in the United States, in part because the territory needed women to marry its abundant bachelors. When the topic comes up during my time in Panama, Koch claims that frontier initiatives helped make the 19th century probably the freest century we've ever had in human history. Mm. That's what I think about the 1800s. Yep. Very free in the oh, United yeah. States. When I, when A lot I of free Deadwood. people walking around. Yeah. It's just like, uh, look at all those free people. There's that romanticizing the olden times uh, where it's like, yeah, I mean, that's what we had to do. It's just not, we don't do that now because we did it already. Like we can't, we can't go out into the frontier and do that. It's just the world the reason that could happen is because you couldn't get in a plane and like go somewhere you'd have to be like yeah everybody go out into this area start their own thing and we'll catch up to you yeah one you know like that's just the only way to do that and it's it's such a he's coming at it from such a myopic like white dude focused yeah. view of of the way the history went like even and even by that standard for a huge chunk like the first third of the 19th century in the United States white men didn't have the right to vote universally right, right? like there were property requirements for a lot of the country i think it was andrew jackson that shit changed under mm-hmm. um and yeah, then, they're, for, they're forgetting, like, you know, yeah. there were people already there. Yeah, you know, the like genocide that, that preceded it. And I guess you don't have that with the sea, except for you do have cetaceans and, like, all other kind of and sea you life. You still so. have, yeah, yeah. exploitation. Um, you have, you have and marine life. He's it's calling, just, again, you learn a lot about this guy. He's calling the 1800s the freest century in human history. Women couldn't vote in the U.S. for any of that time. No, it's and black only a people thing a were white guy slaves for almost seventy percent of it. Yeah, yeah, it's only a thing a white guy can say. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. it's that again. That obsession, the idea of like, oh, what would the founding fathers think about X or Y? And it's like, I don't give a shit what yeah. they have to think. Yeah, who like they gives sucked. a fuck? What would yeah. Julius Caesar think about right. me doing this? Like, no, who gives a shit? He's dead. Yeah. Also, I don't yeah. give a shit what old people like the, the we're, progress. The whole yeah. idea is we're moving forward. And part of that is not giving a shit what the people before us thought and recognizing mm-hmm. that they sucked. Yeah. Uh, That's the, the lesson you should learn at age 18, but sometimes takes longer. Yeah. So there was, of course, weird tax stuff wrapped up in, in the plan these guys were cooking up. That's a factor in all of these. Like they're still they still have their their pitches about how it's going to be a tax haven. Um, yeah, and that's why course. the group moved to Panama in the first place, right? To avoid taxes. But yeah. When ocean builders started advertising sea pods for sale, um, they were, I think, serious. I, I don't think it's a grift. I think this mm-hmm. is the first one that they really, I don't think they'll ever build any, but I think they mean to. So the sea pods that Elwartowski and the others are selling are luxury sea homes. Um, I found them described in one article as looking like giant motorbike helmets on poles, which is not Oof. a bad way of, they look like the Jetsons house, houses a little bit, but coming Got out of the it. ocean. Um, they put a lot of money into designing their website, which has some lovely renders and succeeds in making these pods look like new tech industry releases. The Apple is heavily an influence here. Like they're trying to make Mm -hmm. it look like that as opposed to like frontier shit. Like the future. Um, like the future. That said, when you read through their marketing materials, there's actually some unintentionally horrifying things like this. 
The native pod software can be upgraded remotely, and new sensors are autom- and automations can be easily hot-swapped. The pod will be like a mobile phone where you can install new home apps that are constantly being developed. So that sounds great, right? What if your home was in the middle of the ocean right. and also worked like your phone? Hey, hey you want to live in a tech nightmare suspended yeah. above the ocean? You know how Doesn't your phone works perfectly all the time and you love yeah. it? What if your house was like that and also if anything went wrong, you drowned? Right. It's the thing that we, we said in one of these episodes, which is like the ultimate goal if successful, it's still something I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's the same with Mars, where it's like, hey, you want to live on this dead planet where you can't go outside? And it's like, not really. I might live on the sea in the right circumstance, but it's no. not a bunch of like sterile, techie looking pods. Because it would literally. It would... Yeah. On a sea like the like we said before, the worst case scenario is a bunch of drownings. But honestly, that is the best version of dying in the ocean. Yes. Like, like that is the, that is baseline. That is like, if you're drowning, you're like, Oh good. I'm glad I'm drowning and not getting eaten by a monster Mm -hmm. because that is also on the table. There are literal monsters in there. Fucking monsters like Lovecraftian looking demons that will that will eat you mm-hmm. or or try to have sex with you if they're a dolphin. It's just the the end goal is not appealing to me. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I don't know. Uh, uh, that, that, that's that's, I guess, a, a taste thing. You know, different people sure. appeal for different things. But the way in which they're specifically trying to sell this is just horrifying oh. to me. Like the fact that it'll yeah. work like your phone. Well, that's not very attractive. No, My phone no. is a piece of shit. No um, one wants to live in a smart home yet no. until the, we especially, actually figure out a way for that to work. Especially like, not one on the sea. Yeah. Um, it's the same with Tesla where they're like, it, have you, instead of all these dials and stuff, have a screen. And I'm like, I don't feel good about that. Even if it yeah. works, I'm not, maybe the kids under me will be okay with that. I'm still I'm too old to yeah. be okay with that. I'm I'm certainly not okay with that and also in the damn ocean. And it's like I Yeah. I'm not an expert on building things in the ocean, but all of their renders are like these smooth white curved products that look like again like Apple gadgets. Right. And all of the permanent sea structures I've ever seen, like like oil rigs, like look huge and rough and blocky and like right. tough. They're covered and, in and bullshit. They might need and to. Stuff. Maybe they need to look that way. Yeah. To, like, survive in the ocean? Well, I don't know. Like I'm when, not an expert, but... No, like, when you were talking about those modular things, yeah. you think of this futuristic idea of, like, boop, boop, they just... And it's like, no, they probably have to, like, tow it. Yeah. It probably takes, like, like weeks to move, and it's probably, like, really rough seas and really inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it, it's the same with this. It's, like, salt water and air, and it's just going to rust and look gross. Like, you don't want it to be, like, white. Because that'll just become gross, right? Like, yeah, it will get really weird and stained. Yeah, but it just seems like a nightmare. Here's what they write about. Um, it, it, this is maybe the most unintentionally horrifying thing they've written about these houses they're trying to sell. We think the home of the future will be elegant, simple, and clean. To achieve this, we decided to hide the light bulbs, light switches, and power outlets by building them into the design of the house that they are invisible, yet always right where you need them. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, that seems like a good idea on the on the like naval Apple, vessel, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, gonna, it's gonna, yeah, gonna you're make gonna have everything hard to adjust and change on yeah, the fly. Which again, I think boats you need to be able to like repair them and shit in media yeah. res. Otherwise, you might die. I don't know. 
not a boat expert here. Just tell them what other people have told no, just me. Just a house is yeah. like you, you need to if you need to do the rewiring yes. and stuff. It shouldn't be tough. It shouldn't be built in. Yeah, it shouldn't. Uh, yeah, Recess it's the hubris lighting. of the design, yeah. which is uh, like speaking oh, of you hubris, won't need to do Dave. Anything else. One of the features they advertise for the C Pod is a lightning prevention system. Um, mm. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that exciting? Didn't even think about lightning, and now, that I'm, now that's all I can think about. Yeah. They, uh, they talk shit about lightning rods, because they're like, those just direct lightnings flow. What if you could just stop lightning? And I don't entirely <laughs> know their plans there, but I... <laughs> do they not explain it? Because I th- really There's a bunch of different reading that. you could do, but it all comes back to like my question, which is, well, if you're doing something to the environment around you that makes it unable for lightning to form in a time when it's trying to form lightning, what else does that affect? It's like yeah. cloud seeding where it's like, okay, but you know, that'll, that'll do other stuff too, right? Like, right. <laughs> like if you, if you start making it rain places, it's not supposed to rain. Like, other stuff will happen, right? No, exactly. It's like, um, hey, you want to live near this volcano? Don't worry. We figured out a way to make it not erupt. And it's like, yeah. I don't believe you. I'm going to need to have a lot of information uh, before. Like, that. we guarantee to stop lightning. It's like, mm, I, I just will need more information. A hundred percent. Yeah, I would need a, a couple of different things, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah, if you've been following along so far, this doesn't seem dissimilar to a number of Grift Society projects we covered earlier. The C pods could easily be yet another attempt to get rich in pre-orders uh, or whatever and then run away. But as it turns out, the Ocean Builders team were willing to put yet more skin in the game. COVID hit, and it absolutely pantsed the entire cruise ship industry. And suddenly there was a way cheaper way to like build uh, a, a, a C platform than, oh, than making no. C pods. You could just buy a cruise ship, a Brock yeah. bottom price cruise ship, Dave. Um, so the three pooled their money and put together nine and a half million dollars, which they definitely should never have had in the first place. So this is fundamentally a happy story. <laughs> they, re- they really shouldn't have any money. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they're about to buy a sh- cruise ship. They sure do buy a cruise ship, Dave. What are they going to they're just gonna sail that around and then they're gonna like well they're gonna realize fuel is expensive that's where we're going to oh this is a full story you don't have to wonder how it'll end i'm sorry i'm just imagining like someone waking up and going outside and just seeing a cruise ship just like beached near their house (laughs) that's three three dead libertarians on the beach in front of it yeah exactly (laughs) oh god so they buy a cruise ship the Pacific Dawn, 245 meters long, uh, um, which is just 4,000 meters short of the Freedom Ship. So they're on their way. At oh, least it's real. No. Yeah. So they 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 pivot in their dreams of seasteading. Um, they commission plans for a new sea city, and the Dawn is going to be, in their minds, the centerpiece of a network of sea pods. So they'll park the Dawn somewhere and then start selling sea pods, which will like form out around it, you know? Um, right. And they'll build a little sea town that way. Um, th- they also decide that, like, well, we need a lot more startup capital. Although I don't know that they did, because ten million dollars seems like you could build some sea pods with it. I'm sure yeah. the guys who go to that like burn on the water manage to build things like that for less than ten million dollars. But instead yeah. of using it for R and D, they buy this boat, and the plan is to sell the cabins on it for twenty five thousand dollars a piece, and use that money to fund the development and sale of sea pods, which will gradually turn into a society. 
Um, I imagine the response was people saying, no, thanks. I can just take a cruise. Yeah. Like, a cruise. But what has if you what lived offering? on the cruise ship and yeah. it never moved and you and it didn't use have Bitcoin. all the things cruise has? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the other thing. Like, there, there's no, like, they're not doing, like, little Broadway shows or, like, no. you know, no fancy dinners. It's just. Yeah. An empty well, cruise ship. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So oh. their plan is that, like, uh, gradually over time, they'll be able to fund the creation and the sale of more sea pods, which will, like, surround the, the Pacific Dawn. And there will be platforms for growing food and manufacturing things and providing parkland. Um, although I guess you'd have to pay for the parkland because there's no government that's paying for things. I don't know. That's never explained. Right. Uh, they named their cruise ship the Satoshi because um, the guy, the... Anonymous uh, founder of Bitcoin's uh, pseudonym was Satoshi. Um, and yeah, the, the plan for the Sea City is for it to look from the air like the B in Bitcoin. Oh, okay. This got yeah. so gross. Yeah. I know. And it, it's oh. also like, well, okay, if you don't have, if you're a libertarian society, who's making everybody form the shape of a Bitcoin logo? It's like, so whose, whose job is that? How do you right. compel that behavior? Yes. How do you make that? Yeah. It's so I don't know. The, Maybe they had a plan. The cringe On October 20th. Is so, it's just so cringy. Oh, you're not into the big Bitcoin sea city? No, I'm not into Based the around big, a cruise no, ship no, that you live in forever? No big B for me, man. <laughs> it's such an incredible downgrade. Like, again, all these stories are like these negotiations where they're like, I want to start my own country. And then it ends with like, okay, but I get to keep the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, deal. And then they get like a truck and that's mm -hmm. it. So on October 20th, 2020, Chad Elwertowski announced to Reddit that the fondest dreams of generations of libertarians were about to be realized. They were going to build, finally, a seaborn libertarian nation. Mm. And I'm going to quote from a Guardian summary of the discussion that followed. Quote, so I am buying a cruise ship and naming it MS Satoshi, AMA, ask me anything. The responses uh. were quick. Need an apprentice aviation mechanic? I know how to use a yo-yo, any room for me, and included the inevitable skeptics. Anyone remember the good old days of the fire festival? But Plenty took the proposition seriously and wanted to go over the small print. Where is the power coming from? Gas, internet, food, water, toiletries. What taxes will she be subject to? Elwartowski answered every question with grave attention to detail. There would be generators at first, followed quickly by solar power. This would be an eco-friendly crypto ship. High-speed wireless internet would come from land. Utilities would be included in the fees at first, but would be metered out when the cabins were upgraded. You don't want to have to pay for someone else's mining rig in their cabin, he wrote, referring to the resource-intensive computational process that introduces new crypto coins into the system. But as the Reddit Q&A continued, Elwartowski's meticulous responses revealed some of the more naughty practicalities of life on board. It turned out that the only cooking facilities would be in the restaurant. For safety reasons, no one was allowed to have a microwave in their rooms, though some oh. cabins had many fridges, noted Elwartowski, determinatively sidestepping the point. He offered residents a 20% discount at the restaurant and mentioned that some interested cruisers had already talked about renting part of the restaurant kitchen so they could make their own food. We Hold want on. entrepreneurs to come up with solutions and try them out, he wrote, in a valiant attempt to convert a fairly fundamental stumbling block into wild startup energy. This is your place to try new things. <laughs> it right there. Yeah. He, you have to pay for the food at the restaurant? Yes. That is the only kitchen? That is the only kitchen. That is dope. 
<laughs> this what a grift. libertarian mecca that has a cafeteria. This will be the freest pay. place on earth, but no microwaves. Yep. No microwaves. And you can't make your own food in any way. <laughs> well, no, you could pay to use the communal, to use yes. the kitchen. Someone could, could lease it. Entrepreneurs could figure out how to You're lease it. You're still paying. Yeah, it's oh, it's very funny. Fucking God. We haven't. I feel like I should have throughout this been talking or speculating about the amount of cocaine is involved in this entire It's not story. none, Dave. It's not it's none. It's not none. Or it's at least some none. sort of amphetamine. Sol- solid point. Might, might be ketamine. Talk. Might be ketamine. Yeah. It's a real three in the morning, I'm starting a business energy. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that. It's, it's probably cocaine. Yeah. Oh, it's painful. Robert, wow! what else? Hurt us again. Tell us more bad. So, uh, yeah, and it is funny. You you can't have microwaves in your room, but you can have a Bitcoin mining rig. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's just funny. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's just fucking perfect. You're right. Um, It is very funny that both the Liberty Ship and the Satoshi's founders admitted up front, oh, yes, we will have to radically curb your freedoms in order to make a life on a boat together possible. Um, whatever criticisms you have of them, though, they hired a captain and a skeleton crew for the ship, and some of them sailed their asses to Panama with it. This is, again, more than any of their predecessors, except the Sealand guy, ever managed. They started auctioning the 777 open cabins off in late November of 2020. They held a number of informational calls for potential customers, where they talked about shit like their COVID safety policies on board, and their plans to accept a bunch of stupid crypto coins with names like Eureka Coin and Doge Coin. They also informed people that pets larger than a small dog or pets that barked would not be allowed on board. Oh, um, it's so it's crawling with cats. <laughs> just what I'm thousands hearing. of cats, just cats and ferrets. That's yeah. what that's what it would be. Is give it cats 10 years. eating the corpses of libertarians <laughs> yep. who died when their mining rig overheated them and yep. they stroked out in can their I, room. Can I just say the island in Japan? It'll be like this boat perpetually sailing the ocean, just covered. Can in we cats. just say that dogs would not want to attend that event? Yeah. No, no thank you. Cats would love it. So how many rooms do you think sold, Dave? I'm going to guess it's like when he, like, trying to get those signatures and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, all right, I'm going to say... 777 rooms. Uh, wait, that's how many sold? No, that's how many are were available in total. Right, I'm guessing three. Close. Seven. Yeah. So twice oh. as good as you thought, more than twice as good as you thought, Dave. Wow. You really underestimated them. Um. Yeah. So th- the fact that only seven rooms sold was a problem. Another problem was that none of the men who'd thrown down near $10 million for this boat and decided to make life on the sea their chief goal actually knew about living on a boat or sailing a boat. <laughs> oh, Why would you need to know that, Dave? You're trying yeah. to figure out a whole new way of life. You don't have to know how to work a sail or maintain an engine like a it's cook. Really, this, this, remi- this is like... This is like a slowed down GTA rampage where you're just like jumping from one thing to another, desperately trying to hijack stuff. Like it feels like the boat has been hijacked in slow motion by someone who doesn't know how to use a boat. And now they're just sailing off and they're wondering what the hell all the buttons do. And they're not sure what they're going to do. They do. They do have to hire an actual professional captain to sail it. So that's the good news. Can you imagine being that (laughs) captain? It's he's given. Imagine. some quotes and it sounded like a nightmare yeah like, biting your tongue the whole yeah. way of these he was very adamant about like they did not know what they were doing yeah. um 
where they're like, yeah. we can pay you. And I'd be like, cash yeah. right now. I don't <laughs> want front, no fucking, please. I don't want no goddamn like pictures of dogs on coins. <laughs> you give me cash. Fucking cash money, baby. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of talk this whole episode about like international waters, the freedom of international waters. Here's the thing. International law heavily regulates a lot of the ocean. Um, sailing requires certain certificates. Like you have to have a bunch of things that prove your boat is safe. And the guys didn't realize they needed to have that. Um, so they had to like put it in dry dock and pay a bunch more money yeah, and it set the money. project back. You yeah, can yeah. literally yeah. just Google it. You could mm-hmm. just, they could have Googled it. They could have Googled that. It also turns out that you have to have insurance for no boats shit. that are going to sail into and exist within another oh, nation's borders. Oh, they don't have borders. that either. Shout and out. insurance companies were like, well, we're not going to insure a boat run by three guys who don't know anything about boats and want to park <laughs> it off the coast of Panama and turn it into a floating Bitcoin city. Like we don't, we don't, we're like we're not even going to quote you a premium on that. Right. That's just not a business we want to be. Never in. thought I'd say comrade insurance guy. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's just it's pretty basic. So the whole venture uh, fell apart, and the ship was eventually sold for scrap at a loss of a lot of money. Yeah. The Guardian chronicles the very funny reactions these guys had when they realized they'd never bothered to learn shit about what life on the ocean might entail. Quote, After trying multiple insurers and brokers, Romont began to realize that the cruise ship industry was, as he put it, plagued by overregulation. Along with airlines and nuclear power, according to Harris, it's in the top three. The Ocean Builder's Great Freedoms Project, whose intrinsic purpose was to offer an escape from oppressive rules and bureaucracy, was being hobbled by oppressive rules and bureaucracy. As Elwartowski would reflect a few months later on Reddit, a cruise ship is not very good for people who want to be free. (laughs) (laughs) What a perfect punchline to all this to be like, this whole time they're like, we're taking to the sea when there's no laws. Not bothering to google or check to see if that's true are there laws in the sea yeah Yeah. that's basically what this all is is they've been fantasizing about going to this place that was magical in their mind Mm -hmm. and now they're learning like finally what the place actually is yeah like that's what it seems like it's like it's like it's like wanting to go to mars for all the fresh air and trees you know like they never bothered to check incredible it's 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 very funny and of course they have to sell the cruise ship for scrap metal they uh, it's it's just a a, a giant disaster it's all none of it none of it works out um and as time has gone on since the dream dying uh chad elwartowski has gone on to post more concerning things uh the post he made when they had to sell the boat was, quote, we have lost this round. The new normal Great Reset gains another victim, which is like QAnon mm. anti-vax shit. So yeah. I am worried about Chad. Um, I like you. I was liking you, buzz, buddy. I, I You got potential. Yeah. You got the it's, chutzpah. Yeah, it's in terms of like, I understand your disclaimer where you're like, these aren't bastards. Yeah. The bastard is like hubris. And maybe our education system. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the bastard is more, it, this is more people victims of their own. Yes. I, of themselves. And like the, the grifters early on, yeah, they were bastards. But it, it is like, I feel bad for them. And honestly, I kind of want them to have a win, uh, provided that they are good people. Like you said, with the vaccine stuff and yeah. it's getting a little shaky. Um. You know, they could be terrible people otherwise, but it's like, oh, man. Oh, buddy. Yeah. And it's, I want I want I want to do something for you. Yeah. 
I, I want to, I want something, I want there to be, I want, I, I think this idea is cool. Like I think that I might go yeah. to that event in fucking Sacramento. Um, that sounds rad as hell. I love the idea of like people walking away from, I mean, I, speaking of, 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 of the term walk away, read Cory Doctorow's wonderful sci-fi book, walk away. But I love the idea of people Ooh. like, let's, let's abandon these horrible governments and figure out over time how to like live in the sea. There's a cool idea there. As long as you're not poisoning the ocean or, right. uh, yeah. or, or whatever, like, uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not laughing there, at the idea no. of wanting to live in like a designed community on the ocean of like hard scrabble frontiers people. That's pretty rad, but they're that's hard, not, these, these are not yeah. hard scrabble frontier people except for maybe Chad. Yes. Their heart is in the right place or when they're not grifting, yeah. their heart is in the right place. And that's the thing is like, you could point that lens at me and be like, look at you, you fucking coward. Mm -hmm. You're not trying anything. These people are at least trying. They, but they're trying to actually accomplish this thing instead no. of just bitching about the government. Yeah. Like, it's like, you got to give them something for that. It's just, it, you got to give again, them something going back for to that. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the core idea of libertarianism where it's like, I've never seen someone s explain how it would help society. Yep. It always feels like it's just I, 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 uh, I want this freedom. I don't want to pay taxes. And it's, it's the idea of how to build an actual practical society. I've just, maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe that's been explained, but I've just never seen it. Well, part of it is, you know, Dave, and this is the thing where, because Chad's not really a, a pioneer. The original, no. like, pioneers for all of the genocide and stuff were, like, number one, people who could fail. Like it was life or death for a lot of them. Like we are either going to make a life out here farming right. or like we will starve to death. Like that was for some of them a very real thing. Yeah. Um, and we only hear of the successes. Yeah. Uh, the rest and, are like just skeletons in they, the woods. They were also all people who like knew how to do shit. Like you watch the fucking, the Vavitch, you know, they're, they're, that's a good example of like showing how many different skills a person would have had to have to like make a life even vaguely feasible. In right. those kind of conditions. So like the cons the costs are high and it was people who were like were already very self-reliant. These people, number one, they're all millionaires. Number I don't think any of them are gambling more than they can afford to lose. So like mm. they're they don't they can easily go do something else. This is not the stakes are not actually that high for them. And number two, they don't have much in the way of skills, it doesn't seem like. Like they don't know how to do any of the things. It would be like somebody yeah. setting out to start a farm in an undiscovered to them continent and like having never touched dirt uh, or built a house yeah. and just mm -hmm. being oh. like, well, I'll pay people along the way to do that part. Right. It's the top down thinking. It's yeah. the fact that they live in this society that they live in where they're afforded a lot of privilege or comfort and they say, Ooh, I want to make a, like a city in the, in the sea. Uh, and they don't think about where do you start? Uh, because they just, uh, that's not how they are thinking about it. It's, it's absolutely top down thinking and it's like very cringe to listen to, and I st I still feel bad because they are their own worst enemies with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Again, their heart seems to be in the right place. If if it's the non grifters, it's just their methods, the swings they take, yeah, are so silly. Yeah, and yeah. like again, the ideas there, there's these ideas that are like, oh, that's a neat thing, but they're not, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to start with those ideas and not grow to them. 100%. Yep. yep. And I think that's as good an epitaph for this as possible. You got any you got any pluggables? Yeah, Dave. 
plug your pluggables. Fuck it. Uh, at Movie Hooligan on the Twitter. Uh, I have a podcast network with Tom Ryman that's called Gamefully Unemployed. Uh, we we do a lot of podcasts about movies, mainly uh, movie reviews and so on and so forth. We have some podcasts under our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. One called Fox Mulder's a Maniac. Uh, one called Tom and Jeff Watch Batman. They, they, they're exactly what they sound like. Uh, check all that out if you want to, mm-hmm. you know. If you don't, you don't have to. I don't know if you know that. Yep. And there's also the new podcast, Tom and Jeff Watch Bateman, which is just a chronicle of the fact that Tom and Jeff have been stalking uh, Jason Bateman for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're collecting. We're we're waiting for that saga to end before mm-hmm. we do the podcast. You know, yeah. we want to see that how that'll turn out. Almost you should do one. gunfire, but yeah, yeah. you should do uh, just doing uh, sequest. Just uh, mm-hmm. the show where you just explain episodes of Sequest. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you about this episode of Sequest. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the title of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah, I Wonderful. think so. It'll just be me talking about how much I appreciate Roy Scheider. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. It's Nobody just else. you. Yep. Just me I would alone. Well, to that. Um, look, take $100 and throw it into the air somewhere in the outdoors if you want me to make that podcast. And if enough of you do it, I'll release it. Mm-hmm. That's how money works. That is how money works, Dave. Well, that's going to do it for all of us here at Behind the Bastards. Uh, until next time. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.